everybody, and thanks again for joining us for an episode of Blacktop Banter. These episodes and how they are brought to you could not be done without the assistance of our sponsors. So please take your time and listen to the sponsors here at the beginning of the show and to our secondary sponsors after the show. They are all great companies within our industry that are looking to help us out in any way they can. This episode of Blacktop Banter is brought to you by KM International. KM International has been manufacturing the highest quality asphalt maintenance equipment for over 30 years. They started out as a two-man operation working in a pole barn. Now they got 40 employees working out of a 36,000 square foot manufacturing facility. It all started from their propane-fired skid-mounted hot box, and now they got over 40 different product offerings for contractors like you, like myself, whether it's private or municipal, whatever. Also, this commitment to our industry is one of the reasons that KM has been used now in over 44 countries and every single state in the United States of America. When it comes to KM, I immediately think of their infrared machines, but a lot of people also use their hot boxes. I would love to get my hands on one of these soon. I have seen them all over the country being used by contractors and municipalities, and some of these machines are you know, they've been around for a while when you see them. And I got to believe that that's probably because they increase profitability. So people keep them going. They're built really, really well. I was lucky enough to see a demo of one recently uh, at World of Asphalt. So they're built really, really well. Therefore, if they last a while and you're able to use them, you're going to get some cost savings and you're going to increase profitability, especially if you're using the infrared machines because you're not going to be cutting out and using material. If you want to check out more about KM International, they're on social media. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. They also have a YouTube channel. If you want to get more information and you want to call, you can call 800-492-1757. You can also email them as well if you'd like. Sales at kminternational.com. One of the best ways, I think, is just to go to the website, kminternational.com. You'll be able to check out the full lineup and get started right there with checking out all the equipment out and reaching out to somebody if you want to check one out, demo one out and get interested. We've had our 800 network phone number on the side of our trucks and our vehicles and everywhere else here at Wiscote and Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance for a while now. And we're really glad to have them as a sponsor for the podcast for the next unforeseeable future, hopefully. But uh, some of the advantages that I want to talk about real quick about having an 800 network number is that A or one, we'll start with numbers. One, you get more work. Uh, two, it's really easy to cover the cost of the number for a year. One small job would cover that. So, you know, the rest of the calls and everything that comes in are, is strictly advantageously profit. The other thing is that you get exclusive discounts from top industry leaders. That's a big group network. They give you a group discount. We've used that discount um, by, for one of our sealer manufacturers and suppliers. The other thing is that they do reach out and get you national account work as well. So some of those big box stores and things you've been trying to get into. One of the other things is that the, the number is really easy to remember. Whichever you put on there, it helps with your branding and the calls go directly to you. So if somebody does call that number, it goes straight to you. And, you know, it's not so easy to get an advantage over your competition um, from, you know, here and there maybe a little bit. But 
when you talk about branding, having a branding power over your competition who has a number that's hard to remember and you go by and it just says 1-800-ASPHALT or 1-800-SEAL-COATING or 1-800-BLACKTOP, that's going to be pretty easy to remember. If you're in parades or you're out working on a job and your truck is parked there all day, your vehicles are parked there all day, that is going to get branded into people's minds over time. The other thing is when you join 800 Pavement Network, you're joining over 300 pavement contractors who've generated over $2 billion in combined total sales. So if you're interested, if you're curious, it's really easy to reach out and they will get back to you there at the 800 Pavement Network. You can call 1-800-PAVEMENT. That'll get you there. You can go to the website, 1-800-PAVEMENT.COM. That'll also get you there. And 800 Pavement Network is very active on social media. So you can find them on almost all social media outlets. Go ahead and type that in, 800 Network, 800 Pavement Network, and you'll find them. So I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about 28 Circles before and Jason share over there at 28 Circles. Uh, their marketing and SEO service that they provide has probably quadrupled our workload here in Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance and has added to our workload here at Wiscoat, which has allowed us to expand, to grow, to hire new people. Um, I can honestly truthfully point directly to hiring jason and the team at 28 circles to take care of our seo our website and some of our marketing there with google and everything else to generate our leads and to help build our brand it has literally helped us immensely you know you it's rare that you get a marketing company that is strictly for asphalt and seal coating companies but that's what 28 circles is Jason will call you, he'll email you, he'll text you, you deal with him directly to set up everything and how to reach your goals and develop a brand on Google and more. What he offers is a done for you, that's in air quotes, um, websites and marketing so that you don't have to worry about it, man. You want to be out there working, you know, putting asphalt down, seal coating, doing all that stuff and not worrying about you know, whether you have a great presence here or a great presence there, they take care of it for you. Right now at 28 Circles, they have two offerings. One is the welcome mat. It's $149 a month. Think about that. Let's just say you times that by 12. One job pays for that, right? If you times it by 10, one decent job pays for that, whether you're seal coating. If you're paving, it definitely covers it. That's it. And you don't have to worry about it the rest of the year. The second one is the growth plan. So let's say you've already reached a certain point and you want to improve and grow and do more. The growth plan is $449 a month and it includes everything in the welcome mat package plus everything that would help you grow and even grow and grow and even grow. You know, that's the idea of the increase of the growth plan over the welcome mat plan. If you call Jason at 720-476-2260 and mention myself, Marvin, or Blacktop Banter or anything like that, he will waive the $199 setup fee. It's gone. You don't have to worry about that thing. The other thing is there is a link below in this description of this episode. Scroll down there. You'll see it at the bottom. It'll say 28 circles link. Click that and that'll get you that $199 off the setup fee as well. 
And if you want to just check stuff out before you call or click the link or do whatever, go to 28circles.net and you'll find it there. I cannot recommend this to you guys enough. We are in a digital age. If you're trying to do it yourself, you're probably missing out and you're stretching yourself too thin. It's okay for the start, but hire a professional, somebody who does this all the time. And 28 Circles is strictly designed for our industry. I cannot preach that enough to you guys. I hope you call them. I hope you hire them. And I hope you get more and more and more success off of making a right choice like this one here. Welcome back to Blacktop Banner. This is episode 74. Um, you know, just to give you guys a little kind of intro to um, my main guy, Craig here. Um, him and I have known each other now probably oh, six, seven years. And uh, Craig's been very successful, got a lot of insight. Uh, he's been in the game a long time, seen every aspect of it. Um, I really hope you guys enjoy this one. He comes with a lot of knowledge. So let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Blacktop Banter. This is episode 74. And I'm really excited because we have a repeat guest back. I know we've only had probably four or five, so uh we're in good company today. Uh one of these this guy is actually one of my good friends throughout the industry. I've called him multiple times. We talk, I don't know, probably once a month, hopefully. And uh I've had some great advice, some great business advice, some great career advice come from Craig. Craig, you want to introduce yourself? I know you did before on the previous episode, but we'll go ahead and let you roll out your resume again here. Well, we'll keep it pretty short this time. My name's Craig Ranroth. Uh, recently retired from the contracting business. Uh, sold the company over a year ago. I'm located here in Minnesota. And, you know, I've been in the business 29 years. And right now I just kind of sit back and Follow what's going on. Yeah, we yeah, watch Marvin and say, "What are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, congratulations uh, once again. I know I've said it plenty of times on uh, your success and uh, selling the company and kicking it and observing and being able to be in that position. You know, to not have to be in the war zone, as I like to call it, when we're out there with it all summer long. Uh, you know, when, when we talk about your experience in your twenty-five years, really brush us up on all that real quick on um you know you're one of the guys much like myself where we you know we had brooms in our hands you know we did the work uh touch on that a little bit well you know back back in the early 90s um i was hired as a sales position and you know which was great but then you know people we get shorthanded and i go down the field in the weekends and that's how you got to learn things and as I evolved and moved on to another company, uh, you know, now we were doing more paving. So and it was more commercial paving, homeowner associations, things like that. And so I was able to learn some things, uh, you know, working with some real great foremans and superintendents and owners that made me get out in the field and say, hey, watch this production. Mm -hmm. Watch how this thing's going it's going to help you in the future. So it, it was pretty exciting that way. Um, and then just through everybody, you know, the collaboration of a couple of companies I'd worked with and then starting my own, you know, as 
is basically just being a broker of asphalt, going out and getting jobs and subbing it out to the right companies. Yep. Um, that, that was the beautiful thing is that I knew what, what companies had the forte in certain areas. Right. And they had good price points and, and their service was good. And I was able to put them in the right situation for them to be successful, for myself to be successful. And so the customer was happy. Um, you've, you've always had a keen eye for that kind of stuff. That's one thing I know, you know, even when you and I've been able to hang out and even if we've been hanging out at whether it was one of the expos or whatever, and we were partying a little bit, that stuff always caught your attention, whether it was a piece of equipment or a company or somebody was talking about an idea, that stuff always caught your attention of, hey, there's space there, there's space for this, or hey, we can take advantage of this to help production or help margins or anything like that. Were you always like that? Was that just an, an observant thing that you always had? You know, I, I, th I think I'll sit back and I'll watch things and figure out how I can implement it. Uh, I got you. And I'll probably be the first one to tell you, I'm no inventor of anything. I take everybody else's ideas <laughs> and start putting them in, into my own. Right. And, and making it work. And, you know, sometimes uh, you would see, I'd see myself, we're doing a big circle. And it's like, well, heck, these guys are just doing a straight line. Yeah. Why don't we do the straight line? It's a lot easier. Yeah. It's you going know, somewhere. So you kind of see some of the benefits from, from talking to other people about things and, and, and to talk to other companies around the nation. I mean, here, this isn't too far back. I had a project for a company out of Canada. It was in St. Louis, Missouri. He's like, Craig, I really need a price. It, it was for a uh, grocery store, which we've done plenty of retail settings like that. Uh, we need to mill and pave it. Yeah, we don't know what's going on at the parking lot. So I went down there, uh, did soil borings. I says, yeah, this thing, it all needs to be done is to be two-inch mill off and paved. I priced it as if I was bringing my own guys down there. Mm -hmm. Well, the next spring, he's like, yeah, we want to go ahead and do it. And I'm like, you know, okay. So then I searched out some companies in the area. And I probably had three, four companies respond back. Mm -hmm. the company I, I felt most comfortable with was amazing. So I show up there the first day of the job. I flew in and I wasn't there right away. They, they knew what to do to start. The customer knew I wasn't going to be there. I'd be an hour or two later. This company here did everything how we did things here in Minnesota. Okay. But they did some things different that I was able to bring back. And it was so awesome. Uh, and probably the biggest compliment I got from those guys, like, you know, we've worked with other guys across the country. Right. You just let us do our job. I go, you guys are doing everything how, <laughs> how I, I expected it. it to be. Yeah. We, we had a plan in place. It, I wasn't trying to, you know, have you guys do something that you couldn't do. Right. Um, the only question I had is, I said, what's with those two guys over there? They're like, well, you know, Craig, we're just on, we're just on the St. Louis, Illinois border. And we're in Illinois right now. 
because we're in this area. I had to grab these two union guys. We just tell them just kind of go stand over there and do something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's the part that was driving me nuts. These guys weren't doing anything and all the yeah. other guys doing all the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's an observation, you know, and that's, <clears throat> uh, you know, one thing that, you know, as I mentioned that, um, you know, whether we, you and I were walking the floor or whatever, and you'd point stuff out to me that I wasn't even thinking about at that point, because we, you and I were at, when we met, I was on this level of success while you were capping out up here at this level. And you'd seen a lot more than I had seen at that point. So that's another thing that you, you bring to the table with that observation is, is um, their observationism is that you're able to parlay that to guys like myself that are going to use that knowledge and use your time that you're giving to us wisely. Um, one thing that I really liked to pick your brain about when we were together and um, whether we were at dinner or whatever was the seal coating aspect of it, because that's the largest part of what we do here at Wiscoat and now at Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance as well. Um, we are starting to branch out into different things, as you told me I should. And uh, those line striping, patching, even the paving side, those are becoming larger portions of our gross income versus what used to be strictly seal coating was 90% of it. Um, but to touch back on the seal coating aspect of it, that's something where you have a lot of knowledge that I've been able to pick at your brain about. Um, can you tell us about, I know you probably can't tell us specifics or stuff like that, but tell us about the seal coating aspect of what you used to do and, um, that portion of it and your experience with seal coating in general. Well, here's the thing that I'll tell you about seal coating. It is the easiest thing to do, or it. It, what I'm saying, it's easy to do and it's easy to screw up too. Yeah. Very easy to screw up. Um, you know, the biggest thing is that I taught our guys, you know, and it's been a while since I've even taught our guys because it's been so, they, they've all been trained so well that, hey, this is what we do. Yeah. Here in Minnesota, we route a lot of cracks. Yep. So the first thing you know, do, you get on the parking lot, you start routing cracks right behind it. You know, we'd run four to five man crews and right behind it, you'd have guys starting to clean it. Um, with walk behind blowers. Yeah, I get it. There are the ride on blowers. Uh, not that we couldn't afford ride on blowers. We never went there and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, <clears throat> But they all had uh, seal uh, seal brooms too. Yep. Uh, the most important thing in seal coating is cleaning that pavement surface. Absolutely, the most important thing, yep. and that's why I didn't have ride-on blowers. Ride-ons, yeah, yeah. Because guess what? Now somebody has to get up and scrub an area. Are they going to do it? Aren't they going to do it? You right. want to know? I know that if they are or not going to do it, because I. We actually had one when we merged with the company before and they had those. Yep. I'm like, well, this is awesome. And I cleaned off the parking lot and I went back through and I'm like, you could see all wow, spots. You got to get your butt off the machine and scrub them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, are they're good and bad. Yeah. You they're know, good and bad. But 
when things were out of my control. Granted, I, I was one of the owners of the company. I'm yeah. gonna probably take more pride in my work than somebody else. Of course. And they're like, ah, oh, that's cleaning up. Huh? Oh yeah. The, the guys. Yeah. And you know, so we just kind of left it to the walking part. Yeah. That was a culture that I might've fought technology on it a little bit. And I had my reason for it. And I, and I told everybody, yeah, I'll buy these things all day long. But if you promise me that you'll get off and scrub. Yeah. And I could not, I did not have a good warm feeling they were going to do that. Yeah. That's with, with that blower moving faster and being able to move faster, they're yeah. not going to broom as efficiently as they would if everybody was moving at the same pace. Right. Yeah. The, the, the guy's going to be on the blower going like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And you're going to have spots that aren't clean enough. And you know, the conversation then leads to, you know, you saying the most important thing is that prep work and how clean it is. It doesn't matter what the sealer is now. It has to be clean. It has to be clean in order to give you the best shot at adhesion. It has to be clean. So, yeah. so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, let's talk about sealers because I know that that's something that you've mentioned to me man, these guys, are, they don't understand. They don't understand what's going on with emulsions and things nowadays. Let's talk about that, how that's changed, because in the last three or four years, we've seen coal tar get removed from a lot of places, yeah. get banned in a lot of places. So now we're dealing with a lot of emulsions that are eco-friendly, right? Um, yeah. That seems to be <laughs> the, the, few, the few big major companies. Hey, it's eco-friendly. Um, which, you know, is great for marketing because it was like, well, yeah, but, you know, 10 years ago, you weren't giving a rat's ass about eco-friendly. Now this yeah. it happens to be forced by law. You're going to promote that it's eco-friendly. Sure. Um, tell us, tell us what's going on with that, man, because it's been a long time since I touched on that. I think 2017, I did a video with Steve Young from Young Seal Coating, and he explained what an emulsion was but he didn't explain what's going on with it when we were having contact with the pavement and those types of things. So go through and explain to us that real quick. Well, with that, you know, and, and that's, you know, I could, I don't want to misrepresent anything from any of the manufacturers. It's probably a better question for the manufacturers. Yeah. Which, which that really brings into the fact of, uh, of with the emulsions is, People aren't listening to the manufacturers. Bingo. They're not listening to the manufacturers. And remember when we were talking about doing this podcast, I called you and I was all fired up, wasn't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm on yeah. these Facebook pages. Yep. And I'm like, going, what is wrong with these people? I'm seeing failures everywhere. Like yeah. not, not the people failures, but the, the sealer failure. It's just like, yeah, they're calling they're, it sealer failures. Yeah. And you know what? It's people failures. Yeah. Yep. 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 Now I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I don't, I think a lot of the sealers are all very similar from the different manufacturers. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe some of them that have franchise systems, some franchises may be different than others. Mm -hmm. um, That's which, I, I believe that to be true. 
which uh, I had a chance to work. I, I worked with one of the bigger franchise systems and with a couple of the owners, and they were fabulous. Yep. But I see them getting lambasted online. And it's like, well, this ain't right. I, I'm using the same product yep. that that's getting made. And, and I'm like, going, what's going on? So here's what I'll tell you, my belief of what's going on. If, if you're a Joe contractor and now you're being forced to use asphalt emulsion and you're going to use a product because, and I'll just come out and say PMM because that's the big one everybody wants to complain about. Yep. Uh, PMM. Yeah, that's, what we, that's what we use. Yep, so. and that's what I used um, for over 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. This, so this wasn't new to me. You got to remember, I was from the coal tar age too. I know, man. I know. I know. Uh, so like Joe Contract says, this stuff don't work at all. Okay. And, and I'm sitting there going, how did it not work? Uh, when I had failures, it was on me, not yeah. on the manufacturer. It was on me. Yeah. And we'll get, we'll get into that here in a second. Yeah, um, I will too. I'll tell you a couple of times it was on me too. So, um, and sometimes it's, it, it's on the contractor without them even knowing it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, okay, so you'll read on one of these Facebook deals and somebody will go, I went down to my local place and got some PMM left, went home. And I put in 30 gallons or 30% uh, water. Yeah. And I'm like going, what are you doing? That product is ready to use. Most of the time it is. Most so time we, ready to use. We, we used to purchase PMM bulk and we added our own sand. Yeah. For the longest time. At the end, we got it ready to use. Mm -hmm. We looked at it. We're like going, well, it cuts down on the time for our guys mm -hmm. and it's fine. You know, we try to stay within all the legal stuff, a DOT and stuff like that. So we try to keep our guys at 60, 70 hours a week. Yep. Um, and I'm, so one, people are trying to, trying to act like it's coal tar. You can't cut it with water that much. No. You, want, you shouldn't have been cutting it with, with that water much to water begin, to begin with in, in coal tar. Yeah. And when people say 30%, 30% in the seal coating world and 30% out of the seal coating world are two different things. Because 100% is a full, right? Yeah. So when you say so, I put 30, 30% water to it. Yeah. So a lot of your people finished product isn't 30% then at no. that point. And, and I've argued with all the manufacturers out there about this. I said, quit saying percentages yeah they're like what do you mean i'm like okay so if you're saying 20 percent water that means people think that they got 100 gallons of of area that they're going to put 80 gallons of sealer in or 20 gallons of water mm -hmm. no what you need to be saying is 100 parts of sealer 20 parts of water yep that is what 20% means in this industry. Yeah. 10%. When we, when we say that, when everyone says that, that's what it should be. The problem yeah. is, is when they do that, they don't realize that there's a chemical makeup, right? With these mixtures 
and that that emulsion, I don't even know that people know what emulsion is or what the word means when we talk about sealers. And the, when they add too much water, they're ruining the emulsion, the actual emulsion <laughs> of the sealers getting ruined. Yeah. Right. So then you have separation going on, but yet you're trying to get it to bond evenly to a pavement. Even though you have separation going on in your tank, let's say you're going to use 100 gallons. The, the first 10 gallons are going to be way different than the last 10 gallons because you've ruined the emulsion inside there. Even yeah. if you agitate it while it's going, the chemical makeup of that has changed. The, the way that it was meant to bond to the pavement has changed. Yeah, you've already broke down everything. Yeah. You yep. broke down everything. And when you were saying emulsions, emulsions are, emulsion means to emulsify, to put yeah. together. Yeah. Oil and water don't mix, do they, Marvin? No, never have. I don't think so they that's ever why they call it an asphalt emulsion. It is a mixture of asphalt and water yep. in there. You know, and they a lot of a lot of the companies put in polymers now. Mm -hmm. So with that being said and done, they're using high speed blenders yep. to do that. Batching systems. Yeah. So they have it high speed. So that's why I'm a big I was always a big believer in getting the ready-to-use product now because they're able to spin all that, mix all that in at a high rate, even the sand yeah, into it. And uh, for some of the guys that might watch us in the future, get yourself a good pumping system that can pump sand. You need it. It's a necessary thing nowadays. So, so here's what will happen. Even back in the days when I was getting the PMM, It'd be a little thick, and I'd say, you know, when I was learning, I'm like, hey, this stuff is really, really thick. And I'd have a 1,500-gallon tank in full, and I go, yeah, it's thick. And they're like, well, put some water in it. Okay, just making sure this comes from the manufacturer. But in a 1,500-gallon tank, you know how much water they told me to put in there? Probably... 100 gallons 50 gallons five gallons yeah it was just enough for pmm yes yeah it was yeah, just yeah. Enough, to enough to get it to mix so what'll what'll happen and people don't realize this no matter if you have a delivered on-site delivered to your bulk tank or if you have it sitting in your tank for a while you're gonna lose some of the water through evaporation it happens in a closed bulk tank it'll happen yeah it does so these are things that, I mean, I'm adding five gallons of water yep. to 1,500 gallons, and everything was fine. Yeah. A lot of guys will go, oh, I got to add in this. Now it's junk. I can't get it to spray. I'm like, I've sprayed it through old equipment, uh, small air diaphragms. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, threw, we sprayed it through one-inch aero pump for probably a full season. You know, and it was thick. It was thick. And Marvin, and, and you're seeing, and we're hearing this from everybody across the country, the product's junk. Yeah. It's different. That's all there is. It's it's different. And it, you, the, the older ones, <clears throat> excuse me. You can't, you can't lay out a bead to do some cutting in or edging along a curb line. You can't go 500 feet. No. Unless you got 100 guys there to do it because it starts setting up faster. Yep. You just got to do smaller increments. Yeah. yeah. And people say, well, I can't make any money that way. 
yeah, you can. There, my seal coating process from when I did coal tar to now has not changed. No, mine didn't. Uh, the only nice thing is to do it the right way, in my opinion, you have to let it dry. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you're going to have humid days. It's like, okay, maybe you need to add some fast dry to it. But PMM is going to dry way faster than coal tar. Oh, yeah. And here's the funniest thing is I'm talking about putting down the first coat. There's the next key. It requires a two-code system. For it, to, for it to last the way that you want it to last, it does. Yes. Yeah. It's a two. Coal tar was supposed to be a two-code system. Right. You guys, the days of cheating the system, the cheating the customer. That's what I was just going to say. That's what I was just going to say. The buffer that you had before with coal tar doesn't exist anymore. Like the, the chance for you to be slack a little bit, and it's still the creosote that was in the coal tar to eat through the dirt spot a little bit and still grab the, the asphalt. That doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore. Like it's going to have to be slick clean. And you'll see some of the guys that I think that are doing it the correct way, which we don't do here. We don't have as much moss and different things, but there's guys that go out and pressure wash certain driveways beforehand or soft wash them. I'm sorry. Um, not a lot of people use pressure washing for pavement because you see it just eat through the blacktop, right? But they're prepping it because they know even if they were to clean it with steel bristled brooms and yeah. blow it and everything, that it probably wouldn't adhere underneath trees where there's been moss already on the pavement. You can almost guarantee it's not going to bond. Yeah. But, but you'll see them go out and do what's necessary to get it to bond. You can't yeah. just do like before and be like, well, you know, there's a good 75% chance the coal car is going to grab and hold on right there and it'll be okay. Literally now when we do projects where it's covered in trees, I tell the client right away, there's a high percentage. It's not going to bond and yeah. we're going to have to, you know, you're going to see it next year. You'll see the pavement back again. So we were doing a homeowners association and the next year they called me out and said, Craig, we have some issues with the roads out here. Okay. I went out there and I looked and I'm like, and I'll explain. I put down PMM. The first coat was squeegee on. Okay. The second coat was sprayed on. Yep. So I'm running on that <coughs> on that particular project. Yep. I was probably running about um, 37 square feet per gallon. Okay. That's heavy. It's heavy. And yeah, it, 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 down. Had been, it had been sealed before. And I had a couple areas of failure. For next thing you know, I'm out there, I'm looking at the trees. It's the pollens. Oh, yeah. And it don't matter if it's oak, pine, birch. Doesn't matter. And you don't know what day that the pollens were released from the tree and which way the wind was blowing. Yep. But you do see it in a circular area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll also see it. What I've come to find <laughs> out with it is that even if the pollen has hit the pavement, at all beforehand it still stays in those air voids i know with compaction ratings you want 95 percent you know compaction that means still five percent of it is air voids so if yeah. you have pollen that has went down in there into the air voids or if it had a big pollen on there or any kind of organic material that comes off the tree really you know we've seen it with crushed walnuts that are on pavement 
leaves yep. that have been ground into it and then it rains then it's really leached down right. into those air voids and it's there when you go to coat over that whatever the biodegrading that's going on releases the 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 sealer from the pavement it just does and you know you t- tell people that sometimes they're like get out it's like no that's what it is i know that that's what it is i know and a lot of people look at you like yeah you're just jerking my chain yep and everybody's saying we're blaming the manufacturer blaming the sealer you know what the coal tar wasn't really sticking that good either no it'd come up you find you go back after a year or two it, it you'd, if you wanted to you'd be able to pick a sheet up or pick pieces out if you wanted to if you oh. knew where to if you knew where to put the best thing it did was it would bond to itself in the coating on that sheet and that, that whole thing in under a two-foot area could be not even bonded you wouldn't yeah. know it until that part got fractured and then that whole sheet would come off right yeah. so it's yeah, different here- Here's the funny thing is I had a major retailer in the, in the North here. They used to have a pretty good seal coating program where they did lots of gallons of sealer. Yeah. Excuse me for a second. Go ahead. <coughs> uh, they, uh, they said, Craig, the couple areas, we can't get it to it here. He was on site. I go, he was just like flaking off. Said, oh, really? I said, Hey, do me a favor take one of those chunks and turn it upside down show me what's on the bottom of it he goes i go what's on the bottom he goes well it looks like there's sand i go well that's why i didn't hear it wasn't properly cleaned yep so all the seal coating manufacturers this year are getting such a bad rap and i'm like what do we do to fix this yeah I mean, I even talked to a couple of manufacturers and saying, how can you guys sit by and let this happen? Well, Craig, you know, it's not everybody, you know, it's a few squeaky wheels. I go, these guys could kill your industry. Oh, yeah. <coughs> yeah, you get, you, you get a few of them that make a lot of noise and have one problem with it and mention a name. You know, it, it kills it nowadays. It either makes or breaks especially with the way social media is it can make or break something. How many times have, you know, have I had a product where I used it and the next thing we know, you know, 12 people are using it or the video has got a thousand views or 2000 views because people are curious what's going on with it. It's, it's make or break. Some of these things are. So as much as we wanted to keep everybody accountable, sometimes when you get the response of, you know, there's nothing we can do. It's like, you you have to like you have to make it work yeah and it's like so you know we have the emulsions you know and there's people that are using the lps out there um mark my words you guys they're gonna be banned yeah come on it smells like coal tar it looks like coal tar yeah it's coal tar yeah (laughs) uh you know when it dries the color of this shirt i'm wearing (laughs) Now yeah. we didn't have that problem, uh, you know, and we would use that towards the fall of the year. The coal tar or the LPs or what? The LPs. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. we were some of the first ones that used it in the Minnesota marketplace because okay. we knew of somebody that we could get it from out of the Chicago area mm-hmm. who actually produced it, and uh, it was different. It extended our season a little bit, but you know what? Really. All, all these contractors got to look at is let's do things the right way. 
We're going to have to charge more. People aren't going to pay for it, they say. BS. Yeah, they will. They People will. will pay for it. And if they don't want to pay for a good quality product, move on. Yeah, there's plenty of work out there. I've, that's what our business model has been now for the last six, eight years. And you've watched me. You watched what Wiscoat did when you first met me yeah. where we are now. It all happened when we demanded more of ourselves to do projects with better quality, therefore demanding higher margins, right? Higher price per square foot and they'll pay it. Why would a contractor not want higher margins? Why not do what it takes to get higher margins? That means you're going to have to do less work, right? And sell less to create either the same or more profit for yourself. It only makes sense to do it the way that it should be done. Well, the problem Marvin is, is this gets into, we're kind of getting off topic here, but because people don't know their costs. That's true. That's true. They we don't know their conversations about that. I mean, that's the thing that drives me nuts. Every project that came through my company had a cost. Overhead was assigned to every company, to every project. Yep. All the costs of the material, the labor, the equipment. Yeah. We're all in there because, yeah, I had five, six salesmen too. They got paid on the profitability of the job, not on the gross sale. Right. The margin. The net. Yeah. So, you know, to stay on that a little bit, I know we've touched emulsions and whatnot with it, but this is something that you and I talk about fairly often is job costing and what their costs are actually. Um, And and I think we both agree, you'll never be able to pin it down exactly, but you can get really, really close within, especially if you're doing a large project to where the buffer isn't insane, right? To where you're like, oh, we're off by, you know, tens of thousands or whatever. Um, how, you know, with me, people always ask, hey, man, what are you doing over the winter? I'm like, well, podcast and write articles and do this. And I'm like, well, man, how much, you know, what did you guys gross? And I'll share that. And they're like, well, we should, I share that too, but I got to go get a job. We have to plow. We have to have 10 plow trucks out. You know, everybody has to go to work. I got to work. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Apparently there's something there that I understand that you don't understand about job costing and creating margin because you mentioned to it, you, you talked to it earlier before we got on the podcast, you could have a company that's grossing 300 K and they're only making 50k net right and then who's going to survive off that or how are you going to grow and scale excuse me on that level you can't you you can't especially over a short amount you know the long term maybe you might be able to double the short term you're not gonna be able to so something has to give you have to figure that out the best thing that i ever did was take advice and it kept getting pounded into me not only from you but um from a few of my other friends as well if you're going to make something of this job costing has to be part of it. And then that allowed me to find out, even though I didn't pin it out exactly, it allowed me to figure out, well, how much do I need to make in order to be able to scale, in order to be able to cover probably my stupidity as well during yeah. some moves. And it was, that was it. It was job costing and creating margin to get where we need to be. And I had to come to terms with, I'm not going to get all the jobs. Right. Yeah. And now I went from, seeing people doing jobs that I wish I did and being like, son of a bitch to now I see them doing it and see the way they're doing it. 
and understanding what they got the price for. And I'm like, perfect. They're digging their own grave. Yeah, you know, it works out great. You know, um, they go ahead and do it, I guess. If you want to break even or lose money on it, have, it, have, have at it. A lot of people say, I'm going to do a half million dollars a year or a million dollars, three million dollars. Yep. Okay, so how do you get there? How, one, how do you get there? No, you, you have to know your costs. What are your equipment costs yep. to do all that? Um, and the biggest reason, one, to job costs is, one, if you're compensating sales salesmen like uh, how we did, now you need to have job costing, but two, let's just say it's May time frame. Yep. And I got three seal coating crews out, um, a paving crew, a patch crew, a milling crew, and a couple prep crews. The reason why you have to have that in there, because one, we used to build all our own jobs too on time. You, yeah. you put in everything to figure it out. Well, if, if a crew isn't doing well, you got to see that you're going to see that they're not doing well. So you can go to the superintendents, go to the foremans and say, Hey, what's going on? Is it something wrong with the crew or is it this particular salesman who isn't estimating it correctly? What's going on? Instead of waiting to the end of the year and saying, wow, we did $15 million this year and I didn't make any money. Yeah. 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 Where does that make sense? Yeah. And why, you know, yeah. You know, and we, we we would use our job costing against the accounting program. It was a checks and balance too to make sure everything was getting billed and and everything was in all the bills that what we were getting billed on things were coming in. Um, it, it was a it was a great system to see, and that's where you need to know where you're going at. You know. One, okay, granted, if I knew I needed to do 20 million this year, okay, we need to get 20 million if I do that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna base it on that and I'm gonna figure out all my overhead needs in there. So I can assign an overhead figure to yep. every job that comes in. Yep. I don't care if it's a five thousand dollar job or a two hundred fifty thousand dollar job, it's gonna get assigned a percentage of overhead to that job. Yeah. So there's a little bit of safeguards there. Yeah. And it also keeps everybody accountable too. Everybody from the owner down to the field on it um, because everybody's checking each other because, you know, bonuses come out of things like that. Yeah. Yep. That's a very important point because you, it's hard to get people to focus on being efficient without any kind of incentive right? Like how many times have you seen guys that get paid by the hour moving slower than what you would ever imagine somebody should move. But yeah. if you can incentivize it to get done quicker on top of it, not, not only are you, and let's say you do get awarded bonus off that, even then you're churning out more projects, yeah. right? But faster. And that's the point of what we do where we live. We're in Wisconsin, you're in Minnesota. You and I both know the name of the game is the weather. Like crunch as much as you can in. We got half a year compared to the guys in the South. We need to move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a great point. Great point to make about that as far as the bonuses and incentives. Oh, yeah. 
So there's so many things I could talk about. This I know. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, you know, we're getting into something that um, could be listed for a different podcast for a different time. But that's the thing about being able for you and I to talk is we talk about other stuff, wrestling, hunting, and everything else that we both enjoy very much and where we live and how great the Packers are over the Vikings. We talk about that all the time. Oh, does Wisconsin have a football team? Well, yeah, man. You guys got Nicholas Cage as your quarterback, I see. That's all right. I'll go deal with Conair. That's all right. Don't bother me any. He, <laughs> hey, listen, Nicholas Cage was really, really good. And now he's making B movies. But <laughs> you still watch the ones where he was really, really good. So we're hoping that the Nicholas Cage Conair era is here. Um, just one more. That's all I want out of the guy is one more. Um I just want one. You so I just yeah. <laughs> I just want one. I just want one. I don't know, man. Justin Jefferson is a beast. The kid's oh, a monster. Yeah. He pulls down everything. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching those those guys. They got what it takes. The Vikings have what it takes. Oh, I think this. I think they're a very underrated team this year. Yeah, they have everything it takes. They have all the components, and the guys are young. The guys are hungry. The timing is right. They got a great. I think Kirk Cousins is one of the underrated quarterbacks or whatever. Um, you know, but you know, I th- I think they got it, dude. I think they got what it takes. Oh, yeah. It'll be a fun season. Yeah. It'll be good to go like this back and forth. Yeah. So, before we get on to what – that could be a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've given a lot of good, good advice. What would be, you know, one solid piece of advice that kind of blankets guys that are listening to this that are at a level and they want to get to a certain level, whether it's minding their P's and Q's? We kind of already spoke about it as far as knowing your costs and things like that, but – what would be one general thing where you're like, hey, man, you have to have this in your mind most of the time, all the time, if you're going to do what you need to do to succeed in this game? You know, the biggest thing is, is I analyze things all the time. I was very conservative with my numbers. I I'd hear guys, we're going to do $10 million. How are you going to get there? Uh, we're going to do $10 million. Yeah, but how? Half the time, people don't get there that way. People would say, what are you going to do? I'm going to do $20 million. How are you going to do it that way? Well, here's what our sales program looks like. Here's what I anticipate sales coming in. Well, how do you know you're going to have sales coming in? Well, I close at this percentage. This guy closes here. As a company, we close at this. I anticipate sales being here, here, here. Yep. In January, February, March. And they're like, well, you live in Minnesota. You guys sell in the wintertime. I'm like, shh. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I had no competition at the time. Yeah. Everybody else was snowmobiling. I'm working. Yeah, you're ready to get them out the gate. So, and it's having a plan. It's having a blueprint. You can't, this, this shotgun approach, of just shooting it out and throwing everything out doesn't work. Have a plan. It could be the worst plan in the world. At least it's a plan. That's right. It's a plan. And if you stick to that plan, you will get there. Yeah. Break it down. I believe in the KISS theory. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. So I will tell people, even as as when I was a salesperson, it was kind of a business within the business. Um, If I was going to go and sell $3 million a year, I'd break that down per month, knowing that January, February, March, it's not that big, hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. Market starts ramping up. And so I'd write down 
every month what my sales goals were. People are like, wow, you do that on a monthly basis. I go, well, yeah, I have to keep pace with what I need. Right. They're like, wow, that's impressive. I go, why? That's only step one. Step two is I break it down into four weeks. And I would do that. And then I break it down by the day. Mm-hmm. And then I broke it down yeah. by the half day. The reason the half day, I'd be like, get up, do this. We're moving, moving, moving. Hey, I hit my goal for this part of the day. I had half day goals, today goals. But it kept me focused. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so you got this for the sales. I'm like, yeah. So then I kept track of the dollars of proposals going up. I was closing probably right around 45%. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. A lot of existing clients. Yep. Uh, and so if I knew I wanted to do, to do through, let's say $3 million, I probably had to uh, quote out 7 million. Mm-hmm. So then I would break that down by the week, the month, the day, the half day. And then salespeople say, oh, I'm so busy, Craig. What do you mean? What are you so busy with? Didn't you break things down like I told you? I go, if you went out and did four proposals a day, just five days a week, I'm not even asking you to work weekends. Right. That's 20 proposals. Yeah. Well, what is your, what's your average job you're, you're proposing? They would tell me this. Okay, now let's spread it out over these weeks. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm way short of what I need to do. I'm like, yeah, that's why we talk about proposals because you have to know your closing percentage of what right. you get. Because if you want to make $100,000, if you want to make $500,000, you have to have that as a plan. Yep. You, you have to, and it is so simple and just stick to it. Yep. Um, now, things that I can help people with, how do I get leads? Guess what? I never wanted leads from the company at all. Never did. I always went and found my own. Yeah. And those are the customers that I love the best. And I'll tell you this quick one here. It was after my first year. So it was 1993. It was the winter time. I was going to school, but I would still go into work because I liked hanging out with the owners there. And, you know, the one, I still talk to him on a daily basis. The guy that I, I ended up buying his company out and he's retiring this year. He's actually still working at 70 years old. Dang. And uh, he's crushing it. And uh, in the winter, I'm like, yeah, I need to get more customers. And I'm just sitting there and nobody was there. I grabbed the phone book. Okay, so you millennials and stuff, a phone book, it's like you got <laughs> to open it up. We got and them here. We use them to hold the doors open. <laughs> the first one, the first person I called, the manager, I was going after property management companies. The first one was, it was called ACT Management. I had that customer for over 25 years until I retired two years ago. Dang. A year and a half ago. So I hope, I hope you still talk to them now. I hope people had a pen and paper and wrote down property management companies and that's what they shoot for. But I know there's not going to be people that, that do, but you know. You know, and if you're in the residential niche, um, you got to know how many, how many flyers do you have to get sent out mm-hmm. to get a phone call back? How many doors do you need to knock to get somebody to say yes? Yeah. 
Do you, if I could tell you how many guys that I talk to where they're not even willing to do those things, flyers, they're sitting around looking at their phone wondering why it's not ringing. And it's just like, dude, there's somebody out there that isn't even worried about that. They're more worried about how are they going to get it today in a face-to-face now, yeah. make it happen. And there's You're going to get beat every day. You are. If that's your mentality, you're going to get beat every day. You know, the only time I was ever upset, I was never upset about losing a job. Well, there are jobs I was upset with. Had to evaluate what did I do wrong? Why did that client not buy from me? Right. And of course, the easiest one for salespeople to say, well, they bought on price. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Some people might, but how do you make yourself different? Right. How do you make yourself different? I mean, all companies are different. Uh, Yeah, granted, was I... Was I, did I have better pricing on certain areas because we were more efficient at it? Right. Than somebody else. Now, you weren't going to see me doing, doing Interstate 94 paving that because I think those guys are crazy for the margins they get. Yeah. Because they're nothing. I know. You get one little hiccup, you lost your whole summer. Yep. It's crazy. But they'll do 300, 400 million dollars a year. Yep. I've had a guys is <laughs> not my wheelhouse, but yep. you know, th- these guys, any of the levels, you just need to know what you're doing and how you're going to get there. And guess what? If you're in one point and you're trying to get to where you want to go and it's not working, stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, re- going to to a, it's like trying to go up and pick up a chick in the bar. You know, if, if you were going in there and saying, Hey, you want to go out on a date with me and submit your snooze out all the time? And they come back to me and say, they keep saying no to me. Right. Hey, why don't you take that snooze out of your mouth? They go and do it. Hey, it only took me three, and I got one to say yes. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, you figured it out. Yeah. Quit doing things that the same working. way that aren't working. Correct. That's one of the biggest advices I can give to people. And sometimes when you're married to your business, like you are, Marvin. Yeah. You're married to it. And you'll call me and I'll say, say something. Because I know you so well. I go, Marvin, you're a dumbass. Oh, yeah. Just do this. You're like, oh, my God. I didn't even see. Yep. Because you don't see it because you are so attached to what's going on. Yeah. That somebody with an outside eye can just tell you one little thing to help you. And you're like, wow. Yeah. That's- well, I took I took a great piece of advice from you in that regard. And, you know, there's certain aspects of my industry or my business with the numbers that I just I'm so married to the business and the, the work and being out in the field yet with the projects and wanting to see what's going on and everything that I would just put stuff on the back burner here. And luckily I've, uh, you know, tried to put a team together and brought people in where that's their, that's what they're focused on. And it allows me to be freed up to create more margin and more time and do what I'm good at and do what helps us create more revenue versus spend my time on that, focusing on that, doing that. And, you know, what that took was me, like you said, looking at myself and being like, okay, where am I good at? Where am I not good at? Where are we bleeding, not bleeding? And how do I solve that problem and become more efficient? Like you said, just more efficient overall. We've done that here. It's funny. I mean, because 
you did ask me earlier when we were off air what I've been doing. I actually, I kind of don't look at it this way because I do it for fun. Uh, I have a friend of mine that owns a fairly big bowling center here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And I've been doing sales training with kids that are 21, 22 years old. Mm -hmm. You're like, sales training in a bowling alley? I'm like, hell yeah. I ask these kids to get on the phone and they're like, what do you mean? I can't just text them. I'm like, no, we're going to call. We're going to possibly leave a message and they might call back. If they don't, you're going to call them back in a couple of days. They're like, you want me to call them twice? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, it's part of the process. Go, this is step one. I go, I go, there's a lot of bowling centers around here. We want to give the customer an experience that they want to keep coming back. Yeah. You, know, you guys got to remember, guys, because some of these kids, I've known them since they've been young because they grew up in the bowling center. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you think I sold for a living? And I made it exciting. I sold oil and rock. Yeah, mashed together. Yeah. <laughs> and, and made it exciting. Yeah. You're inside of a bowling center. Everybody that wants to come to this bowling center wants to bowl. Wants to bowl. They want to have fun. They want to yeah. have experience. They want to have pizza. They want to have beer. Yeah. Uh, they want to have fun. They're yeah. not coming here going, oh my God, I got to go to the bowling alley. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it's kind of like, and I told him, I said, how many, how many building owners do you think that own parking lots? I said, yeah, I got to get that parking lot done. Yeah. It was nothing fun. But when I met him, I made it fun. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. Here's your price. I'm going to take care of this for you. Yeah. When are you guys available? I don't want to do very little interruption to your business. Yeah. Oh, really? Nobody else has said that. Yeah. Ding. They I just excited. They get excited. I just sold that guy. Because mm -hmm. I asked a question. Mm -hmm. When do you not have people there? Yep. So, I mean, those are a lot of things, uh, you know. There's a lot. There's a lot inside that cranium of yours up there that these certain situations and different things, that kind of stuff would play out for. You know, oh, yeah. we know that. And that's your, your, what you've really honed in over these years is that kind of stuff. You mentioned that, um, you know, you've been training sales for the bowling alley and different things. Uh, the, I know just because of the way it's been going lately with Blacktop Banter, that people are going to wonder, well, how can I find Craig? Like, how can we find stuff that, that if I have a question for him or whatever, um, or maybe they want some sales training or whatever. Um, how can people find you and contact you that's uh, not like personal, like you're not your cell phone number or anything like that? Yeah. You're on Facebook. I know that much. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. That'd be probably the most professional, best way to yeah. do it. And it's a very generic account. It don't matter. As long as you check so, the messages all week here. Yeah. And, you know, and I did get a message from somebody who was in the paving business here out on the West Coast. And uh, and it's very generic. You're not going to find me as asphalt paving. I've kind of have gotten rid of a lot of that stuff. Yep. Uh, due to my buyout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but no, there, there are things in here that, I mean, I, 
hey, just so people don't think that you don't need help, I worked with a guy who was a business coach for the last six months. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Sure. And I guess I can kind of make this announcement right here. Ooh. I probably will be going into the consulting world. But I want to be different than all the other consultants out there. That's fine. I think you've earned that. Um, you know, I, I want to be able to help you guys grow your business so we both profit. Yeah. I don't want to come in and take people's money. Yeah. And, I don't I, nothing happened. I don't think it's something that you have to want to be. I think you already are that, Craig. Like you're already different than the textbook kind of stuff out there because of where we are, what you went through, how you've created different sales approaches. And just things that you won with over the years. So um, anybody that's listening knows that already, right? That you're a different, different setup. Um, but if they get to hang out with you, they're really going to realize uh, that you like to have fun and are exciting and make it exciting <laughs> and make it fun. Um, so with that, um, anything you want to say to close? We're closing in on over an hour yet. So I don't want to keep you too much longer. And I want to leave some content for another podcast next year and uh, can reevaluate or anything like that you know the biggest thing is we we call we we wanted to talk about the emulsions yeah and what i want to leave everybody with is clean your parking lots apply the sealers to the manufacturer's specs and don't become mad scientists and add water when you shouldn't be adding water yeah and you will be absolutely fine yep absolutely fine and then you can charge what you should be charging for it yeah you know and we are we won't be seeing this stuff on facebook and and i don't even comment on everybody complaining about it because it's like i don't get it yeah you're gonna spend a lot of time if you do that yeah and i don't have time for low low hanging fruit we have low hanging fruit in this industry yeah and you know what just get educated, work with your manufacturer. Don't work against them. Don't complain to them because without you, they don't make money either. Right. It's all got to be one hand washing the other. And everybody thinks that, geez, Craig, they're telling me to put this down at 50 square feet per gallon. I go, no, they're telling you to put it down at a hundred square feet per gallon per coat. Yeah. Start doing it to their manufacturer specs. You'll see success. They'll see more success. And Everybody be happy. Yep. And it'll be, it'll be a lot better. Cool. Craig, thank you so much, man, once again, for joining us and dropping some information on us. I'm going to chop this up into a bunch of pieces and put it out. And uh, there's going to be a lot of good sound bites with it. Well, congrats once again. And I uh, hope you enjoy uh, getting the cabin project underway and whatnot. And I'm sure oh, yeah. we're going to be talking to each other. Wrestling season's coming up. So I know we'll be talking to each other about that again coming up. Thanks again. I really appreciate it, everybody. This has been episode 74 with Craig Granroth. And uh, as always here at Blacktop Bander, we speak asphalt. We want you to seal it, pave it, stripe it, and kill it. Peace. Liberty Supply has been the supplier for us when it comes to supplies as far as spray tips, street brooms, um, handles, uh, 
pour pots, flagging tape, uh, everything that we would need. We bought a melter from them, a crack melter from them. When you call Liberty Supply, you get Sam. Sam is the owner. Sam and his brother Mike both own the company. How often can you do that? Can you call and get the owner directly as soon as you call the number? And if you go to their website, libertysupply.biz, you'll see the full array of things they got. We've purchased our chalk lines from them, our chalk. We've had to grab some number stencils and things from them from time to time. So they have a pretty good supply of everything that you would want as far as supplies and tools and things of that nature. Our spray tips we purchase from Liberty Supply. So all the spray tips for spraying our sealer, we purchase from Liberty Supply. I mentioned the website, libertysupply.biz, but you can also call 800-397-9907 and you'll get Sam. They also are on Facebook and Instagram. I recommend going and checking them out checking them out on there as well. And if you call Liberty Supply, tell them Marvin sent you. Sam will say, oh, cool. I know that guy. Uh, I golf with Sam from time to time. And I will say I beat him by a stroke last time we were out. So you can rub that in a little bit too. But honestly, truthfully, when it comes to Liberty Supply, we're thankful to have them. They're a valuable resource for us here at Wiscote and Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance. Super great guys, super nice guys. They want to help. If you run into any issues, Sam will make it right. I can promise you that. What more can you ask for from a supply company, an asphalt tool and equipment supply company? If you guys have been listening to the show for any amount of time or you follow me on any social media, you'll know that I have been using Stencil Plus to get all of our stencils for our striping stuff for quite a while now. One thing about Stencil Plus is they have all the stencils that you could want. They have all the different various thicknesses of these stencils as well. They can create any custom stencil. And more than likely, if you get a hold of them and ask them to create a custom stencil of your company logo, they will do it for free. They have been doing that for a while now. But beyond that, they can create multi-piece stencils, custom stencils. Uh, they have all the stencils you could want for any of the retail chain stores. So if you're doing a big box store or something like that, they have that as well. It's really easy to find them. They're at stencilplus.com. They're on social media everywhere. Jeff and the team does a great job with their social media and being in the groups and being active on Facebook and Instagram and things like that as well. It is free shipping on all orders within the United States. That's right. Free shipping on all the stencils ordered within the U.S. So pop over to stencilplus.com. You can use code BB10 to get 10% off of your order at Stencil Plus. BB10, as in Blacktop Banter. BB10. You get 10% off your order. So if you call in and say Blacktop Banter referred you, or you say BB10, or say Marvin said, I can get 10% off, they'll honor that as well. You add that in the code spot at stencilplus.com if you want as well. You'll get 10% off. The number to call if you're going to call versus go to stencilplus.com is 877 372 6055.